Welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio, the official podcast of APSATS, the Association of Partners of Sex Addict Trauma Specialists, hosted by Dr. Jake Porter. APSATS is a nonprofit organization providing professional training and compassionate support to partners affected by problematic sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. In each episode, Dr. Jake guides a conversation of enlightening insights and practical tools to empower those affected by sex addiction and betrayal trauma to use their voices and live their values. The mission of Betrayal Recovery Radio is to offer hope to those in need of healing and growth to those moving through grief. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jake Porter. Welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. I am your host, Dr. Jake Porter, and it is good to be with you today after being out for a few weeks due to some unexpected uh, family events. Uh, I'm happy to be back with you today, though, and I do have an exciting next several weeks of episodes coming up. Starting today, I'm actually going to share with you a presentation that I gave earlier this year at a conference in Portland, Oregon called Exposed, which was presented by Pure Life Alliance. Now, this was a faith-based event, and I will make use of some uh, some faith-based language and concepts. However, it is loaded with clinical concepts as well on the subject of betrayal trauma. If you are not someone who you know, count yourself a person of faith or of the Christian background, I still want to encourage you to listen to this event because the bulk of it really is more about clinically understanding what betrayal trauma is, what's happening in the brain with betrayal trauma, and how it is overcome. Uh, So that'll be this week and next as I share with you what I was able to share at Exposed in Portland, Oregon, or earlier this year. Before we jump into that, I want to make you aware of a few other opportunities that are coming up, particularly if you are uh, a helping professional who works with those who've experienced betrayal trauma or you're interested in becoming one who uh, works with those suffering from betrayal trauma. And the first is coming up on October 7th. Dr. Kevin Skinner, an amazing advocate for betrayed partners, will be presenting a webinar, a training through AppSats called Utilizing Technology to Support Clients Dealing with Betrayal Trauma. Uh, Dr. Skinner has done so much incredible good work, not just around um, betrayal trauma and assessing betrayal trauma, but also delivering help via technology. So that is October 7th, uh, um, starts at 11 a.m. Central Time. You can go to appsats.org, appsats.org, A-P-S-A-T-S.org for more information. And the other thing I want to let you know about is AppSats uh, foundational keynote training, the multidimensional partner trauma model training is going to be held live online via Zoom from November the 8th. That's a Tuesday through Friday, November 11th during the day from 7 a.m. Central until 3.30 p.m. Central. And again, you can go to appsats.org to learn more or register for that. If you've never taken the multidimensional partner trauma model training from appsats and you are a helping professional, I want to strongly encourage you to do it. I did it several years ago. It is a model uh, that I have woven into the very foundations of the work that I do with partners and couples. And so um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. All right. Today, uh, you're going to get to hear me giving a a speech, a talk, a lecture, whatever you want to call it 
on betrayal trauma. And uh, I'm giving this to a group of individuals. It's a mixed crowd of both professionals and uh, some couples, um, partners who'd been betrayed, as well as those who had done the betraying. And it's really going to try to lay out very clearly the reality of betrayal trauma, how it is a very distinct thing from codependency and uh, what happens in the brain, um, the different ways that it affects our neurobiological processing and what is needed for healing and recovery. So I hope you will enjoy this talk. Most of what I do uh, every day is working with couples uh, where one, usually it's, it's the male, but it can go the other way around. Uh, one has sex addiction or pornography addiction. Uh, usually it was hidden for a long time, secret. Uh, and, and so then they come in, they come to me. I do a lot of disclosures. It's a truth-telling process validated by a polygraph. Uh, and then we work for, I'm not kidding, and then we work for three or four days after that to rebuild trust and, and go from there. And um, so that's most of what I do. So this morning, we talked a lot about addiction and what's going on there, trying to look at addiction through this spiritual, relational, psychobiological lens. And um, now we're going to talk about betrayal. We're going to talk about trauma in that too, because as you'll hear me say, uh, betrayal is traumatic. But a lot of what I have to say about trauma applies to trauma, period, uh, which often has ties to addiction and many other problems. So that's kind of uh, where, we're, where we're headed next here. Psalm 55, um, I'm going to read some verses from this psalm throughout. I'm not going to spend a lot of time connecting all of this but here's what i want to encourage you to do look at psalm 55 and a number of other psalms as well and i want you to just spend some time looking at them through the lens of trauma and what i'm going to share with you about trauma for it is not an enemy who taunts me then i could bear it it is not an adversary who deals insolent with me then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. And, um, you know, in this psalm, the psalmist here, he's not talking about his wife, but he's talking about a close companion. So I do think there's a link here. And, and part of what he's saying is, what is happening to me right now is made worse because of who you are to me you weren't my enemy you weren't an obvious opponent in fact you were a friend a close friend a companion one who walked so near me and that heightens that's heightening the pain and the effect of this betrayal that's being experienced and that is often the experience of the partner of an addict, 
it's you know, it's, it can happen that something like alcoholism is hidden. It can't, that can happen. I've heard of that happening. But that's a lot harder to hide than, say, a pornography addiction or a sex addiction, right? And so it is often the experience of the partner that they didn't know. They didn't know. Um, and it has a, an incredible effect to discover that there's been betrayal that you didn't know about. A 2019 study, uh, this is from a peer-reviewed journal, said, I'll just read this to you, then I'll unpack it. The integration of the findings discussed herein suggests that infidelity-based attachment trauma manifestations may resemble disorganized attachment behavior. Now, you might go, what? What, what is all that saying? Well, here's what, here's what that's saying. This is a study of women, married women, who learned, uh, who discovered, rather, betrayal uh, from their spouses. And what happened was they began having trauma symptoms manifest, specific trauma symptoms associated with disorganized attachment behavior. Now, if you understand much about attachment styles, so you've got secure attachment styles, you can have a dismissing attachment style where you're more avoidant, you know, you're kind of colder, whatever. You can have a preoccupied attachment style that's more kind of clingy and obsessive, that sort of thing. Disorganized, though, is one where it's the come here, go away, the push-pull, I hate you, don't leave me, the person who's doing this. And there's one way, there's one way that we know that children who end up with disorganized attachment get there. And it's when the person who is meant to be the source of protection and comfort simultaneously becomes the source of threat and, and distress. I'm going to say that again. When the person who is meant to be the source of connection, I'm sorry, protection and comfort simultaneously becomes the source of threat and distress. So, of course, I want to be close, but of course I'm afraid to be close. So come here, go away, push, pull. I hate you, don't leave me. And what this study found uh, is it looked at these women who discovered betrayal is that even women who previously did not manifest these behaviors began manifesting them after the betrayal was discovered. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Betrayed partners are neither the cause nor the cure of their partner's sex addiction. Okay? Being betrayed is not evidence of codependence. There's no evidence for that. There's zero scientific evidence that being the partner of a sex addict makes someone more prone to be codependent. None. Neither is it evidence of borderline personality disorder. I can't tell you the number of women who've come in my office who have, on top of the trauma of the betrayal, have treatment-induced trauma because they were told they're borderline. Borderline personality disorder. You know what borderline personality disorder looks like? Disorganized attachment. It's trauma. And um, when I have, you know, their husbands, they try to catch me. Like, I mean, this is weird. 
like at the urinal though. We'll take a break and they'll follow me into the bathroom. And I'll, I'll, I won't make this too graphic, but we're doing our thing and they'll be like, hey, hey, while I got you in here, I wanted to ask you a question. So my therapist says that he thinks my wife might have borderline personality disorder. Why does he think that? Well, she gets really angry and then she wants me close and then we're really close and then she pushes me away. How old's your wife? Oh, my wife's 56. And when did these behaviors start? Well, about two years ago after she found out what I was doing. That's not a personality disorder. That's not a personality disorder. No one develops a personality disorder at 54. Okay? That's trauma. That is trauma. And what I, I want to help us see today is that trauma causes these things. And trauma is the best explanation for a lot of what we see happening in relationships where there's been the discovery of addiction. Trauma can take place in two ways. This is way oversimplifying things, all right? But just to keep it simple, there can be trauma that's too much too fast, trauma that's too little for too long. So too much too fast. All of a sudden, it's overwhelming, right? And, you know, it's, it's more than I can handle all at once or too little for too long. Ne neglect, right? Over a long, long, long period of time, experiencing that neglect and, and, and the, the cumulative effect of living with the stress of neglect becomes traumatic. So trauma can take on many different forms. Um, betrayal trauma specifically is going to affect these three different parts of the brain. The corpus callosum, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. All right, and I'm going to walk you through these. Okay, the corpus callosum, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. But first, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of just some, some basic understanding here. Now, again, this is way oversimplified. We're going to talk right brain, left brain. The truth is there's nothing that happens only on the right brain. There's nothing that happens only on the left brain. But there, we could speak of right mode dominant processing and left mode dominant processing. That would be more accurate. And left mode dominant processing is going to be well, first of all, left brain, right brain is not about creative versus logical. That's, that's not right. So throw that out. So it's left brain is logic, though. It, it is more associated with logic, all the L's. Linear thinking, language. These are left brain realities, left brain processes. Chronology. All right, so think about it. If, if linear thinking is part of the left brain, so chronology means sequence, right? analysis, any sort of uh, abstractions, uh, the ability to take something and see parts or compartments. That would be left brain processing. Plans, okay, making plans. Explicit memory, which is a memory that you feel yourself remembering. Hey, what was your phone number when you were a kid? Oh, 281-573-9124. I, I have the felt sensor. Who was the second president of the United States? 
John Adams. There we go. And you kind of have this felt sense of remembering. So that's explicit memory. It's more of a left mode uh, dominant process. Verbal, because, you know, like words are associated with that. And it's slow. It's slow and it's conscious. That's left brain, left mode dominant processing. Contrast that with right mode dominant processing, which is somatic. Soma is the Greek word for body. Somatic. So what happens in your body? The senses. What you see, hear, smell, taste, touch. What else happens in your body? Your emotions. We call emotions feelings because you feel them in the body even if you don't feel them consciously. They are showing up in your body. So the right brain is more somatic-based. It's actually been shown, the work of Alan Shore has shown that the right brain and the right brain limbic system, so that's deeper down in the brain, is much more closely wired into the body. Okay? It's holistic as opposed to seeing parts or compartments. It sees the whole thing all at once. Wordless, so no language. Timeless, no sense of time. Much more intuitive, integrated, concrete rather than abstract. Uh, spontaneous, nonverbal, fast. And this is the home of implicit memory as opposed to explicit memory. So implicit memory is, you know, like muscle memory. Okay? Like muscle memory. So much deeper non-conscious typically. All right, and so the way a memory is supposed to work, when we talk about optimal memory encoding, the way it would work is that there's an integration among different parts. So you've got your frontal lobe, your cortex, which is your executive function, all right, of the ability to empathize, have self-control, that's impulse control, reflective thinking, these sorts of things are implicit I'm sorry, frontal lobe uh, uh, functions, integrated to your left brain. So, you know, you can look up a place in time. It's like a Google search. So, for example, let's say I said to you, hey, what was your favorite holiday when you were a kid? Now, we're connected, and, and so our, right, our, our, our um, frontal lobes are engaged, and you hear these words I say, favorite holiday. Those words are symbols that have meaning in your left brain. And I even gave you a time period when you were a kid. There's sequence, there's history, there's chronology. And so it's like a little Google search. And you search it here and I go, ah, well, my favorite holiday when I was a kid was Thanksgiving. But because this is an integrated memory, it doesn't take long for the connected right brain corresponding memories to get activated. And now you know what I'm remembering? The sound of leaves blowing across the ground and being at my grandma's house and hearing the football on in one room and the men in there watching football and the women are in the other living room talking and grandma is alone in the kitchen because that's how she wants it and somehow all 15 dishes are ready at the exact same time and I can smell the turkey and dressing and all the, you know, and now, my, now I'm salivating. All right, and it's all integrated and it works together. That's how it's supposed to work. And so, so now, you know, the, if, if I smell the turkey and dressing first, I go somewhere and I smell this food. Oh, that's reminding me of 
Thanksgiving when I was a kid. It's all integrated. And I can share it with you and tell you about it. And I'm watching you to see that you're following me, frontal lobe, right? And that's how we have effective communication about this. That's optimal memory encoding. That's how it's supposed to work. But with trauma, it doesn't work that way. So with the corpus callosum, this is what causes what I call the trauma trigger time warp. The corpus callosum is the part of the brain that connects the left and right hemispheres. And one of the things that we now know is that when trauma happens, the chemical dump that is taking place in the brain, adrenaline and cortisol and all of that, it causes the functionality of the corpus callosum to go down. And so when the corpus callosum's functionality goes down, now the corresponding left and right memory networks aren't integrated. You see what I'm saying? So now one can get activated without the other getting activated. One can get activated without the other getting activated. This is what a trauma trigger is. A trauma trigger takes place when a right brain memory network related to the trauma is activated without activating the corresponding left brain memory network. Because, let me put it this way. Let me tell you this story. When I was in college, I was in a car accident that involved a tow truck. I was in upstate New York and hit a patch of ice and all this stuff, okay? After the accident, about three months later, I'm driving down the road and I suddenly feel panic. My armpits start sweating. I can barely breathe. My chest is tight. And then I see a tow truck up ahead of me. Okay? So this external cue awakened this right brain memory network that because it was traumatic, was not very well integrated to the left brain memory network. And because it had a poor connection between left and right, because the right brain has no sense of time, feels the whole thing all at once, is fast and non-conscious, it feels like it's happening right here, right now. So rather than remember what happened, I relived what happened. Now I had enough snap to go, oh my goodness, there's a tow truck. This is reminding me of the accident. Now, when I had that thought, what just happened? A little bit of connection. And over the next few months, I would see tow trucks and I would have the somatic response, but it got better and better and better and better. That is what the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, calls an adjustment disorder. Something traumatic happens, but after about six months, the trauma symptoms subside, the integration happens, there's healing. God wired us to heal. Amen. Okay? And if you quit re-injuring the brain, you heal. All right? So, um, when the, the, the trauma trigger time warp is, is this this thing that happens where that corpus callosum goes down and so you've got these unintegrated memories. So now you've got a, a husband who, you know, is sitting on his bed looking at his phone. His wife walks in 
And he sets down the phone just because his wife walked in and he wants to pay attention to her. But what happens to her? Trauma trigger. Because her past experience was around maybe discovering pornography on that phone, maybe discovering he was communicating with affair partners on that phone or whatever it is, right? And so she has this big reaction because it feels like the threat is right here, right now. That's a reality of the brain. It's not an overreaction. It's not a lack of forgiveness. It is a survival-based, safety-seeking response. It's happening because the brain has been injured by the trauma of what's happened. And betrayal trauma is complex. So whereas my car accident that I shared is what we would call punctiliar, there's another good water cooler word for you, punctiliar taking place at one point in time, you can put your finger on it. Betrayal trauma, along with many other types of relational trauma, is complex. It's multi-layered. It happens over time, again and again. There are pieces that are punctiliar. There are pieces that are not. Some of the trauma is too much too fast. Oh my goodness, I just clicked on this email. I thought I was going to find this and I just found, you know, all of this. Too much too fast. But it's simultaneously too little for too long. I haven't had the affection. I haven't had the intimacy. I haven't had the relational connection. And I've been deprived of that, neglected. And all of that's coming together to create this complexity. You've been listening to Betrayal Recovery Radio, the official podcast of AppSats. If you've received help or hope from this episode, I encourage you to share it with someone you know. If you've not yet done so, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. Thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Jake Porter, and you can always email me directly at jake at appsats.org. I'd love to hear your ideas, questions, or comments about the show. Until next time, keep choosing to use your voice and live your values. It's good for you and for this world.